Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. When people are concerned about, I want to change my job and I'm really afraid to what happens if it doesn't go well for me, you know, or I want to sell my house. What if I'm, what if I regret it down the road? Well, if you've done it before in your life, you can probably do it again, and you can probably do it better. That is my guest today. He's sweet, he's kind, he's cool, and he's my friend. I'm lucky to have him back on the show. Jason Robinson from nomadexperiment.com is here talking about a lot of things travel lifestyle related, including what it's like to be nomadic or what it's been like to be nomadic during the pandemic. Will you regret getting rid of your house and selling your house if you decide to do that and take off and travel. He shares his thoughts around that. Why working while traveling can be energizing rather than draining and even allow you to be more productive. What it's like battling a serious autoimmune disease on the road and how he's been handling that and some advice for others who may be dealing with a similar situation. Why we all need a little tough love sometime and how that can help you reach your goals why making what Jason calls a before list is way better than making a bucket list and why to have some low-hanging fruit on that list as well. I share one of my low-hanging fruits on my bucket list, plus tips on how to crowdfund something successfully and one amazing tactic to give you motivation for saving money for travel. This is something that I've used in the past as well, and I want to talk a little bit about that during this show, of course. Plenty of other surprises along the way. So excited to have you here. Shall we get into it? Let's do it. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. I've got some travel coming up. I'm excited for it. I just booked a flight to London, staying in a hostel over there. It's only going to be for a handful of days, but I'm excited. How are you doing, my friend? What is new in your world? Hope you're doing well. Get in touch. Let me know. I always throw this out there. This is a community-powered show. Just reminding you 
the show doesn't exist without you listening. And I so appreciate your presence here. And I always love to make this a two-way dialogue. So if you have any guest recommendations, any topics you want me to cover, just want to say hi, share your story, drop me a line, jason at zero-to-travel.com or leave me a voice message. Even better, I will share a shout out to somebody in this community later on who just set a huge travel intention and is beginning to take the steps towards realizing that dream of world travel, which is what it takes. So I can't wait to share this listener's story. Of course, I want you to stick around after the interview. We'll share that. Plus, I'm going to talk about this advice I shared with somebody who's coming to visit who wants to do a bit more traveling this time of year in the winter over here in Western Norway and why I think that is a great idea. I think a lot of us tend to associate traveling, or at least I do sometimes, with going to warmer places and getting out of the cold. But in this case, I think this is a wonderful idea. And I also want to comment a bit on something our guest today talks about, which is a real great motivator for saving money for travel. It's just a way to kind of reframe the money that you spend and get it into your savings account so you can use it to travel the world. So stick around for those things. Now, let's slip and slide into this interview with Jason Robinson. Enjoy listening in on our chat, and I will see you on the other side, my friend. Bom dia, senhores passageiros. Bem-vindos a bordo do Serviço Intensidades com destino a Lisboa, Oriente. Este comboio efetua a paragem Casa Branca, Vendas Novas, Pinhal Novo. I'm on the line with one of my faves, Jason Robinson from TheNomadExperiment.com. And he's got a new book. It's called The Beginner Traveler's Guide to Going Nomad. Tough love tips and strategies to help you finally kickstart your travel life or go full nomad. Jay, welcome to the Zero Travel Podcast, my friend. Welcome back, I should say. Yeah, it's good to be back. Good to see you. <laughs> good to see you too. I mean, what what time is it over there? Where are you? Uh, it's about 8 a.m. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. I'm a bit to, a bit much to handle at 8 a.m. for you. You know, I'm like fully caffeinated. You're probably just getting up, kind of getting into the day. So thanks for getting up to do this. <laughs> I look like I just woke up and like my eyes are like deer in headlights. <laughs> Jason and I had a long chat. One of the top downloaded episodes, I might add, our conversation. Would it be safe to say that you were sort of at the beginning of your nomad journey in some ways? beginning-ish yeah yeah that was I, the last time we spoke was was almost two years ago it would be two years next month and that was so 2019 that may of that year is when i i sold my house around you know february march was when i was deciding that i was going to sell my house and go full nomad so essentially got rid of almost all of my belongings and this was after four or five years of of kind of calculated, you know, my calculated journey of, you know, trying some experiments and pushing my boundaries and doing these, you know, crazy to me things to, to really push myself outside of my comfort zone. And then, you know, May of that year, I sold my house. I drove across the U.S. for two months, um, did that kind of coast to coast road trip that everybody dreams about and tried to work along the way, uh, staying on public lands and national parks and things like that. And then you and I spoke and then I went to Europe for two months and uh, eventually Quetzal, Mexico for two months. So yeah, that was right at the beginning of, of me truly uh, starting to kind of spread my wings as a location independent nomad. 
yeah, I mean, I guess how do you feel now a couple of years later about the decision to sell your house and do this? Because like, I mean, as we've openly chatted about many times <laughs> on this podcast and together, it's not like, oh, what, whatever you want to say, unicorns or rainbows or, you know, insert whatever thing you want to say here. You know, it's life. So when you go become a nomad, you are just living your life. You're just completely changing your lifestyle. And that means you have the ups and downs of life. And, and we can talk about some of the things that have happened in your life over the last couple of years, some big things. Just, you know, looking back and where you are now, do you think, uh, I'm not saying, well, do you have any regrets, not have regrets, but I'm just wondering how how the last two years has been for you in terms of from like the moment you sold your house and like when you first started and when we spoke to where you're at now. Yeah. I, I think, you know, you, you brought something up and made me think of something. There's, there's a phrase that sometimes all of us probably have said one time or another in our life and it's, Oh, it must be nice. Like somebody says something about their life and it's like this cool thing. And then you, know, you respond, Oh, that must be nice. And this tweak on perspective has helped me as I went nomad. Not that I believed that being nomadic was, simple by slowly trying it for two or three or four years, I realized that really you're trading some complications for other complications. You know, you have a home base, you have a place where your podcast studio is always set up and you're trading that for, I got to find Wi-Fi. I got to, you know, add these things to my day to make sure that, you know, my life just functions. So yeah, there's definitely trade-offs that, you know, have happened, but people ask, a lot of people ask me if I regret getting rid of my house and my house was, you know, my respite for, you know, 11, 12 years, I, I literally rebuilt most of it inside with my own hands. So I really made it my, my happy place. But in the two years since I left, I've, I've only driven by that house twice. And I've spent a year in Charlotte since then because of COVID. I've only driven by that house twice. I mean, I'm, I'm truly, I, I did the things in my life to get myself to a point where I was like, no, this next chapter is what's right for me. I can always go back. Um, so I haven't regretted getting rid of the house at all. I haven't, um, you know, there's ups and downs as far as, you know, being, being nomadic during a pandemic and not being able to travel the world. I sold my house, I went nomadic. And then all of a sudden I was back in, you know, a lot of my regular stomping grounds in the U S. So, um, you know, that's, you know, we've all been dealing with those things, but honestly, I'm, I'm ready to get out there and traveling again, because that was the goal whenever I sold my house. And then, you know, eight months later I was, you know, locked back down. Um, but very few regrets as far as um, taking this next step. Thing I want the listeners to understand is I was very calculated in, you know, that's what this book is about is is taking those baby steps to make sure that you're pushing your comfort zone. But once you get to a certain point in your comfort zone, kind of reevaluate that and say, hey, is this still right for me? If not, I can always go back to these things that I've done in my life. Like when people are concerned about, oh, you know, I want to change my job, but I'm really afraid to what happens if it doesn't go well for me, you know, or I want to sell my house. What if I'm, what if I regret it down the road? Well, if you've done it before in your life, you can probably do it again and you can probably do it better. So especially if you're 30, 35, 40, 45 years old, you've got a lot of track record behind you. You've got a lot of experiences that you can always go back to, but sitting there for 10 or 15 years and then regretting having never tried these new things, that's, that's not a good place to be. And that's where I was before this journey. And I was 35, 36, 37 years old. And I had been wanting to try this for 15 years. And, you know, if I had it back, I would definitely do things different earlier in my life. But um, I encourage people not to be afraid to, to try it later, obviously. Um, I'm 43 right now. So, you know, I, I, I started my nomadic journey at, at, at 41 years old. Yeah. And it, it's all relative, right? Like, I mean, I've spoken with people who are 
you know, they're empty nesters and they're doing it for the first time. You never want to live with the regrets in that way, I guess I would say. Do you ever struggle with the, especially with the pandemic? I mean, let's talk about that for a second because becoming nomadic and then like you said, it's like, oh, I'm going to make this huge commitment, sell my house. And I'm like totally committing to this lifestyle in every way, right? After doing the, the experiments and building up. And then you're sort of grounded. Well, let me just talk about that. How has that been for you? And I mean, obviously prefacing this with like, we all know there are, you know, worse problems in the, in the world than, than a nomad who's not able to travel. We, we know what's going on. So that all of those caveats should always apply within these conversations. You know, it's just from like a travel perspective, like wanting to, you know, go out and get on the road and live your life. You know, you sold your house and did all these things so you could go explore. And then you were grounded like everybody else. So yeah, I'm just wondering how that's been for you. Mm-hmm. So quick recap, I went on that trip to Europe, which was two months and I hit seven or eight countries. And that was, you know, in 2018, uh, the pandemic hit in, or, I'm sorry, that was 2019, the pandemic hit in early 2021 or 20. And, uh, and then I went to Cadetro, Mexico, January 1st, 2020. And I was in Mexico whenever the president started shutting down flights and things like that. So I had actually that trip to Mexico it, to Querétaro was really my first true slow travel. Like this is what I want my life to look like, you know, digital nomad stop. And and I and I literally spent eight weeks in Querétaro, living in one apartment for pretty much a month and a half of that, and just living in that city and working in the mornings for you know four or five six hours, and then I would go out and have lunch and explore. And then I would work for a couple more hours and then I would explore in the evenings. Like that was truly starting to look like what I envisioned this life starting to look like. Right. So you were just kind of settling into that, what was going to be your everyday life. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and then, you know, the president started kind of saying, Hey, we're going to start shutting down borders. And I literally came back through uh, DFW the Saturday, two days after he said that, and it was like a cattle herd. I mean, thousands of people in lines going back and forth next to each other. And I, the reason I wanted to get back is um, my, my dad, uh, I wanted to see my dad. Um, he's got some health issues. So, you know, that's always a concern to me. And I wanted to see him before this whole thing settled in. And I'm like, well, let me get back. And sure enough, I went through this like huge cattle herd queue of people. And I was like, well, now I got to quarantine for two weeks. Um, so, you know, I got, I got that early dose of, of what, you know, COVID was going to potentially look like for some of us as far as quarantining regularly and trying to, you know, hopefully keep those around us safe. But, but yeah, from that point forward, um, it was kind of bouncing around the U S you know, staying in places with friends or family and things like that and and continuing my (laughs) nomadic journey, but kind of grounded and all of your caveats true. You know, this is, these are small problems for us to be talking through, but I will say that, you know, at this point I am sufficiently like, drained like there's a there's an excitement that happens the reason the reason those of us that like to travel are so productive at our jobs when we travel it is this mix of new things to look forward to later that day and the reality that you're able to make a living on the road doing this like for me that ability to work four five six seven eight hours in the morning and then go explore a new place and and rinse and repeat that and it's still new after a month or two or three months like there's just something super energizing about that. So I think that's been probably the hardest part for me is I was actually feeling like I was catching a stride and like, you know, starting to really get into that mode of 
of location independence. And, um, and then it was kind of like, all right, what are you going to do now for, for a while? Um, obviously, obviously I started writing it at some point and you mentioned health issues with your dad, but can we talk about some of the health issues that, that you've had? Because that was, that's been huge for you. I mean, yeah. So came back in, in March, 2020. And then I was, uh, I was up in Michigan with some friends in September Long story short, I uh, lost about 20 pounds in a month and I don't have a lot of, a lot of that to lose. Um, my, my vision changed from perfect to farsighted. Jason's like, you know, you would see him hiking on a trail, fit guy, active, always doing stuff, right? Yeah. yeah so I was, you know, I settled in at about 165 and I was down to 144 um, and that took about 30 days. My vision went from perfect. It's been perfect for 20 years because I had LASIK back in the day to farsighted and then it switched back to nearsighted. I was drinking about a gallon of water a day. Uh, I was exhausted, um, all these things. And finally, all the, all the signs started pointing towards you know, me Googling things was diabetes. So I came back to Charlotte, went to the doctor, and I pretty much knew at that point what it was. Um, but essentially, I got uh, diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in October 2019. So um, type 1 is an uh, autoimmune disease. So you could wake up tomorrow with type one diabetes. It, you know, autoimmune diseases mean your body started attacking itself. They don't know why it did that. It's just your body woke up one day and said, Hey, wait, this looks weird. Let's start attacking it. And, and at that point you're kind of in trouble. So type one diabetes is essentially, you know, there are things being attacked in your pancreas that once those, those, those cells are gone, you can't rebuild them. So your pancreas doesn't, function the way that it does anymore. So, so now I'm type one, uh, insulin dependent. So I do insulin every day, uh, pretty much have to, to, to stay upright. And, uh, that was not planned and, uh, it's been a, a whole load to start kind of digesting it. Um, you know, you know, um, good friends with Travis as well. And, and, you know, Travis you know, spent some time down and down with Travis, you know, at the beach and just kind of work through things back then. And then, uh, and now it's a matter of, how does this factor into my travel life? Because this is a massive uh, swing for somebody who packs carry on only and now has, you know, probably a, a half a square foot of medical devices and insulin and all these different things that I'm going to have to to either take with me or figure out how I'm getting them around the world. So it has definitely presented a new challenge that uh, I hope to, I hope to learn about personally and then ho- help other people with, you know, as a kind of a, a side item to the nomad experiment and, and that whole mindset. I know we're kindred spirits also in the sense of wanting to help others travel and looking at it through that lens, like what you just mentioned, you want to help others too. So in some ways, taking what's been given to you and using it as a an opportunity in some ways to kind of share and, and help others travel as well with, with medical conditions. I mean, I've gotten this question a lot. I mean, what have you learned so far? I, I guess I would say that's a twofold question, right? Like, what has this taught you about yourself? and Maybe has it, has it like changed the way you think about life or anything like that? You know, from a travel perspective, maybe we can get some just like tips of things that you've learned so far. Mm-hmm. So one of the positives of being location independent and working from your computer or being a contractor or freelancer or, you know, more importantly, controlling your own schedule. When this happened, I shut down completely. Like I literally shut down. I was a zombie. I was just staring off going, what in the world is going on? Like, you know, my initial thoughts were my, my life is 
forever changed. I'm not going to be able to travel. You know, it was trauma and it was like, you know, one thing I have an article on my website about, you know, if you get diagnosed with something, you know, diabetes was my example, but, you know, take somebody with you to the doctor's appointments because you shut down, you don't hear anything. Like it's just a blur of words and things like that. So there was this moment for about a week to two weeks where I was just completely a zombie. And that's where, you know, um, I finally took some time to myself and said, okay, dude, stop putting the pressure on yourself to understand this and just give yourself some, some time. But the ability to have that as a location independent entrepreneur, yet another reason for people to want to achieve this lifestyle. If that's, if that's your jam, the thing that it really taught me very quickly just out of the gates that first month was a new level of empathy. And, you know, I'm an empath by build. Like I'm, I'm very worried and concerned about other people and just the world and things like that. So, you know, for us empaths, there's like a heavy, a heavy thing going on there already. But this truly taught me that there are so many people dealing with so many things that we don't see on the outside. And that that's common sense. But this really hit at home for me you know, you mentioned it yourself. You know, oh, if you looked at Jason right now, you'd be like, oh, you know, it's a hiker, he's fit, he's active, he's all these different things. I mean, there's just so many people that you look at them and they look like everything's fine. And the reality is, is that may not be the case. And there's just things that we don't understand that are going on, whether it's, you know, my sister has vision problems. She's had detached retinas for, you know, three or four times in her life to where she had to have surgery for those things and, and lay face down for four or five, six days while her retinas, you know, reattached. Like, my vision went from perfect to gone in, in a matter of weeks or two. And then it came back. Um, that's a side effect of diabetes is your, your eyes actually have so much water in them that your lenses, you know, you're drinking a gallon of water a day. Your body doesn't know what to do with that. Your eyes actually fill with water to where your lenses kind of get blurry. So, so I started to understand all of these things that other people might be going through. And since then it has caused me to just, evaluate things I might say in my head or when I get frustrated with somebody, just be like, dude, you know, shut up. Like, you know, you have no idea what this, these, what somebody else might be going through, how their day is going, you know, any of these things. So it really did kind of calm me down and gave me kind of an, another level of um, compassion for people. And that's something that you have to cultivate every day. I mean, it's not something that you just, you know, flip a switch and you're like all of a sudden a better person and you're able to see things through a better lens. You have to practice that, but um, definitely something right at the beginning. And as far as how this is changing my travel, like, you know, there's the, the, the U.S. insurance thing. Obviously, that's a, for lack of a better term, a mess. My insulin, if I didn't have insurance, would cost me $1,200 a month. And I literally need that kind of to live. And that's just a little bit of the stuff. So for me, I have insurance. So now I think about people that don't have insurance or people that, you know, have worse insurance or don't have jobs or homeless that have diabetes. So another perspective there. But as far as the the travel goes, you know, I have to have a, enough supplies to get me through whatever trip I'm going through at the moment. Um, I do hope that as I learn to travel the world even more, you know, my whole goal is to ask questions in these new countries that I'm going to and say, hey, you know, if I were to live here for a year as a diabetic, how would I do that? Like, what would my course of action be to getting insulin, to getting the, the supplies that I need in this new country? Bottom line, what I tell people I had a friend who has Crohn's the other day and she was talking about the fact that she has transfusions every six weeks. She's like, I don't think I could ever travel like you do. I have transfusions every six weeks. And I was like, well, start with five weeks, 
you know, plan on getting your infusion and then maybe travel five weeks and then get your infusion. And while you're out there traveling, just ask a lot of questions, like literally treat it like, hey, if I ever wanted to live in this place, what questions would I ask of doctors? Or, you know, do I need to get an appointment with a doctor in Portugal whenever I go there so that I can ask these questions of them? The bottom line is everybody around the world has these afflictions. Like diabetes isn't a U.S. thing. Diabetes is a worldwide thing. You know, Crohn's is a worldwide thing. These people around the world are living and thriving just the way we are. But the minute you get diagnosed with some of these things, your world closes in on you and you start thinking in tunnel vision. But in reality, there are so many options out there for us to continue traveling and, and potentially, you know, get our medications, things like that around the world that that's how I'm approaching this trip to Portugal and I'm getting ready, getting ready to head to Portugal for three months. And so, you know, I'm planning on taking enough supplies to get me through those three months, but also I'm planning on learning a lot while I'm there to say, Hey, if I, if I wanted to extend this trip, how would I do that? How am I going to get all my supplies and things like that? So we don't want this to turn into a medical podcast, but that is a, a big perspective shift that I've had to, you know, start, start to cultivate because I haven't traveled internationally since I was diagnosed. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I think it's important too, for several reasons. Like you mentioned, first of all, you're not alone. I mean, there are a lot of people suffering from a lot of different things. And from a mindset perspective, I think that's a great tip, uh, not just mindset, but practical. It's like, okay, well, what if I didn't just write off travel? First of all, like your friend, like she's kind of just like, well, I can't travel in that way. We're like, what if, what if I don't write it off? What, like you said, what if you travel for five weeks? And then what if you ask a lot of questions and investigate and try to figure out how people in that area manage these things? I mean, again, we're speaking in generalities here, but I think this is great advice. Every autoimmune disease or, or affliction is different, but the principle of willingness to explore it, I think is, is really huge. We'll be back right after this. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds. 
so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there. And that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself. And that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Let's get back to the show. Do you have any apprehension around this upcoming trip to Portugal? Or, or is it most of it, you know, is it other stuff? Is it more like COVID and you're kind of like, hey, I've, I've learned to live with this thing. I have my supplies. I'm good to go. Yeah, I, I honestly don't have any apprehension regarding the diabetes. You know, that is what it is. I, I I manage it on a daily basis, but it's one of those things that can totally rear its ugly head and just be my endocrinologist who's had you know, type 1 diabetes for 30 years. He's like, he showed me his insulin pump the other day and he's like, this is me yesterday. He's like, I have no idea why my blood sugar did this. You know, I've been doing this for 30 years. I have no clue. So this is one of those things that it's going to change. It's going to, it's going to be weird. It's going to be frustrating. So whether I'm doing that here or somewhere else, like that's, that's, that's going to be the same. It's going to be a constant. The stress of that you mean is going to be something, whether you're home or away. Yeah. I mean, the ups and downs are going to be there. So if people ask me like, Oh, where are you going to stay? Have you been to Portugal? No, I haven't been there. Where are you going to stay? I'm not sure yet. Like there's all these like totally out there questions that people that are where I was five or six or seven years ago. Like I used to be super rigid. I used to want to plan every moment of every trip, make sure that I had accommodations, make sure that I knew how I was getting from one place to the other. And as you travel more and more, you get more comfortable with having less of a plan and more of a backup plan. And that's kind of the way I, I, I really want people to start thinking is, especially if you're, if you're struggling to take a next step of this like nomadic journey or this possibility of a nomadic journey or changing your life, like don't worry about the, the, the firm black and white decisions. Just kind of look at the backup plans. Like, okay, well, I'll try this thing. And if it doesn't work, here's, here's the things that I'm going to do. If I go to Portugal and everything implodes on me, I'll change my flight for 150 bucks and I'll come home. Like, yeah, the 150 bucks is a lot of money, but that's my backup plan. If, if everything just explodes on me or, you know, obviously with COVID that <laughs> adds a wrinkle. I do hope to get a booster by the time I, uh, by the time I leave, just because, you know, with diabetes, they say that we are four times, four times more likely to go to the hospital with major complications if you have diabetes, um, if you get COVID. So, you know, I'm on one of those early lists of people that is, is probably going to be available for the booster. So I do hope that that's going to happen and that'll make me a little bit more comfortable with COVID as I travel to Portugal. But, you know, the other thing, the caveat that we always want to throw in there is, I'm not traveling to countries, you know, I'm not traveling to countries to be a tourist. I'm traveling so that I can absorb that country and their people and their cultures and to be a good human to the people in that country. Um, so part of that is choosing not to travel during COVID or choosing when you're going to travel during COVID. You know, when I bought this ticket, everything was kind of going in a good direction with the world. Now we're, you know, we're not even sure whether it's, it's going to happen or travel's going to shut down again. But, you know, I'm not really apprehensive about this trip, you know, as far as going through the airports and things like that. Um, you know, I have a lot of notes from my doctors about all these medications that I have to take with me that typically, from what I understand, is more difficult when you're coming home from a, 
another country as opposed to getting out of the U.S. and get, entering another country. So um, luckily, by the time I come home, most of my diabetes supplies will be exhausted and uh, I won't have much with me. I won't look like a drug you know, carrier or anything like that. Do you have travel insurance or, or do you have some kind of traditional insurance? I have traditional insurance, but I will also have travel insurance for this for this trip, um, you know, typical to most travelers like this, you know, buy, I'll buy a policy for this trip specifically. Um, I'm not to the point where I have expat, you know, yearly travel insurance I buy based on the trips. Um, and part of that is, you know, travel insurance has been changing with COVID. So whether COVID is covered or whether it's not covered, that's a big decision um, on how the travel insurance companies will handle you if you do get COVID abroad. Also with type one diabetes, there are things called medical waivers and you have to look at, at the types of travel insurance and make sure that they're going to cover you for whatever condition you have. Um, part of that is you don't travel unless your condition is well maintenance, like you're, you're handling it well. And that means your doctor says that you're handling it well. So, so for instance, a lot of these uh, travel insurance companies, you actually have to get a medical waiver that your doctor signs that says, yes, you know, Jason is doing great with his diabetes and there's no issues. So therefore, anything that does happen on his trip is unforeseen. It's not like he's going into this and he's and he's not handling it well and he's not doing the things he needs to do. So it's called a medical waiver. And, you know, for those of us who do have some conditions like this, you got to look at that. You got to look at the fine print. I've had to do more. <laughs> more reading about insurance and different types of insurance than I'd like to do in my lifetime, of course, over the past year. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a changing process. It's always learning. And anybody who's been dealing with this for a long time, like I applaud you for your ability to wade through all this stuff because it's, you know, our, our insurance system is a mess. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, for any traveler as well, it's important to be on top of the travel insurance thing, especially in this day and age with COVID and everything. I mean, I just called my travel insurance company because I'm going back to the States, which is, it's mm -hmm. funny that I never Can't wait to see you. Yeah, I know, man. I, I never thought of my home country as a place where it's like, oh my gosh, if I go and something happens, I could lose my entire uh, life <laughs> with the, the way things cost there. You know, you don't want to end up in, in the wrong place getting the wrong thing. So it's just important to stay on top of it. By the way, I should mention I contributed a chapter. You were kind enough to ask me to contribute a chapter to your book. So that was fun and cool. Thanks for your patience on that. I finally got it to you and hope you're happy with it. You don't procrastinate at all. Actually, Travis no. procrastinated because Travis <laughs> also has a, has a chapter. I think Travis, it took him six weeks to get me his, uh, okay, his yeah. draft. Well, so, <laughs> so I'm not the did, worst. Yeah, I'm a slow well. writer. That's why I have a podcast. I, I prefer talking. Yep. <laughs> Just ask my wife. You know, in your tagline, the first thing you say is tough love. You mentioned being an empath and and... You know, if you listen to the interviews we do, I mean, you can get a sense of who Jason is. And, uh, you know, you don't always strike me as like the tough love guy, but in your writing and with this book, there's some tough love. I mean, why the tough love and, and how did, how has tough love helped you? Well, it's funny. I've had a lot of people ask me about those two words and, you know, for me, it's, it's one of those, it's kind of like when you, when you want to go to the gym, but you're sitting on the couch and you're flipping through Netflix and you're like, you know what's good for you. You know that going to the gym or exercising or getting in a hike or getting some fresh air, you know that that's better for you in most circumstances than sitting there and, and scrolling Netflix. Like that's that moment of, of I need some tough love. I need somebody to kick me in the butt and tell me what I already know in a different voice 
and maybe that'll be enough to dar- to jar me out of this complacency. And that's that's kind of what I get out with this tough love things. I mean, you know, one of the things that you know, right when you right when you open this book, um, there's a quote from Paulo Coelho, and it says, "If you think adventure is dangerous, try routine; it's lethal." Like that's literally the second you open this book, and that's the kind of tough love that I'm talking about. Is you know, I don't believe that there's anything in this book that is new. I think that a lot of people have heard some of the things that I'm writing about. You can go look up 20 travel books and they're probably saying similar things. Um, the difference is I think that we all resonate with different things at different points in our lives. And sometimes we need a different voice to tell us something we've already heard 20 times and that's enough to, to snap us free. So, so yeah, this book is, you know, it gets a little bit, uh, rough on the, on the, the wordsmithing and, and I kind of don't pull any punches with, you know, get your, get your stuff together and, and do these things. If this is really what you want to do, here's the steps to do them in order or, you know, and it's financial, it's emotional, it's, um, physical and it's, and, and then there's travel. Like those are, those are all things that have to do with travel, but they're also separate from travel and they're things that we can organize in our normal lives that lives that help travel become easier. Um, but there, you know, there's emotional things that you have to deal with whenever you're changing your life against the status quo or against the people around you and your, you know, what your family's doing. So how do you deal with those, you know, mental and emotional realities of, uh, of that or phys- you know, physically, I had to get rid of all my belongings or I had to choose to get rid of them or, um, you know, there's just a lot of different things that go into it. So that's where, you know, this book was real. This book really came out of the, the previous five years from when I was getting ready to go nomadic was. How do I go from nine to five or normal, you know, keeping up with the Joneses? I had a house, I had a location dependent life. How do I change that over five years? And it was a, it was a calculated effort of like knocking down all these barriers. And then when I had some time during COVID to sit down and kind of put it all together, it's like, okay, there's there's, there's kind of a plan here for somebody to, to work through. Um, And it was exactly what I went through. So. Yeah. I'm from outside of Philadelphia. We're the tough love city. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tough love fan, so you don't have to sell me on it. But I was just curious how, uh, how, yeah, how you felt about that and putting it into the book because uh, I, I agree. I do think it's important that... Yeah. Well, I mean, you just speak in the voice that's authentic to you, right? And that's, that's what you've done here. And part of that that's helped you, it sounds like, is in your journey is some tough love here and there, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's a balance. Of, I mean, we know it's a balance, you know, but... You know, if you spend all of your time being coddled or, or saying it's okay, it's okay, you can do it tomorrow, that's not helpful. And then if you spend all of your time in this, this tough love world, you know, that's not helpful. So it's a balance of both. Obviously, you know, whenever I was diagnosed with diabetes, I had to give myself some time. I had to just say, dude, stop being so hard on yourself and give yourself a week or two and start and try to, you know, process this. So, you know, there's a there's a time and a place for everything. But, you know, this book is is written for that person who's like, you know what? I've been sitting around for 10 or 15 years saying, I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. And this is that book. Like this is the, okay, well stop talking about it. And here's some steps to, to start going. Yeah. And I mean, it's the blend of like what we love on the podcast here. You got the practical, but you also have the mindset stuff. And one of the mindset things that, uh, I thought was really cool. I was reading before the interview and came across your before lists. And that reminded me of, oh yeah, this was something Jay pitched in the book and I thought this was cool. So I just wanted to pick this out as an example of some of the mindset things in this book. Do you want to talk about using before lists? The before list versus versus bucket lists. Oh yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, like six or seven years ago, I stopped, I stopped thinking in terms of bucket lists 
Because to me, a bucket list is just fundamentally against every goal setting principle in the world. Like when you set a goal, you don't say, hey, I want to do this by the time I die. Like that, <laughs> like you say, I want to do this by next month or next week or next year. So the, the idea of a bucket list, even though it's just a nuance to me, it was like, okay, how can I tweak this a little bit to be just something that you can actionably plan towards? So um, when I was 36, I think I made my first before list and it was 40 before 40. And it was 40 things that I wanted to do before I turned 40. And, you know, on that list, I put like 50 things because we're going to change. We're going to adapt. We're going to have different opportunities to do different things. So I wanted to give myself some flex space. But essentially, it was like, okay, set the bar high. Let's let's find some crazy things to do, whether it's travel related or personally related or, or, or work related um, and try and start checking those things off by the time I'm 40 years old. And I did a pretty good job on that. But, you know, the the nice thing about turning 40 was now I got to do my 50 before 50, which added, you know, I, I now had a list of 50 or 60 things that I could accomplish over, you know, 10 years or sooner. And the funny thing is between that first list and the second list, I had done a lot more travel and pushing my own boundaries and things that were on the new list. I didn't even know existed when I did the first list. Like, you know, I didn't it just, you know, riding on chicken buses or, you know, doing, you know, crazy things that you don't know exist in other countries um, that aren't even on your radar. Once you start pushing those boundaries, you start to learn about these things and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm definitely adding that to my list. So, so yeah, my bucket list, I don't, I haven't looked at a bucket list in years, but now I have these lists of um, kind of things that I want to chunk out in the next 10 years, um, which is still a really long time. You still have to actively look at that thing on a daily basis or a weekly basis and say, okay, what am I doing to accomplish some of these things? Yeah, it sounds long, but then depending on how your list comes together, you know, there's yeah. got to carve out the time, the money, the yeah. resources or whatnot. I wanted to ask you about some of the other stuff on your list. I was curious, did you dumpster dive? You had dumpster dive have, on your list. I have not dumpster dove yet. No, you haven't dumpster <laughs> dove yet. Dumpster nope. dove. Dumpster d- dive. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was curious. Did you learn five songs on the guitar? No, I think I ended up learning one song on the guitar. I gave up on it. You, you know, I believe that I believe that we have to separate things that we truly want and things that we think would be cool. I think knowing how to play the guitar and and strumming around a campfire to while my friends sing that would be super cool. I just don't like learning the guitar. <laughs> like it's just arduous, and it's 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 just not my jam. I, I owned a motorcycle once, and I liked I liked the idea of wrenching on an old motorcycle and being able to be that you know dirty guy that can like break it apart and build it back up. And I realized this kind of sucks. Like I don't want to do that. Like there's this there's this perception versus reality, and and one of those was like, yeah, I'd love to be that guy on the guitar, but it's just probably not going to happen. <laughs> but I mean, but that's some of the value in the list, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think, yeah, like you said, you look, you're looking at it that way. It's, it's not like a failure if you have it on the list and, and either you haven't done it or you didn't complete it. Well, maybe you're like, all right, well, my interest level in this wasn't high enough. So it's not on the next before list. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. My dad last night, I was, I was mentioning that I will listen to you and Travis on the talking about the two year plan, which I'm, I'm holding off a couple of months till I get to Portugal to actually do my next two year, you know, visual. I do a two year, five year, 10 year. Um, and my dad says, he says, yeah, I've never done that. And I'm like, yeah, you have. You just don't do it as formally as I do. You don't sit down and write it out and you don't, 
do that. I said, but you know, you want to, you want to retire in two years. So, you know, you want to do that. And he's like, yeah, I want to travel too. I'm like, okay, so you have a plan for two years, but, but I do think that writing these things down, even physically, like not on the computer, like to your point, whether I do it or not, or whether I spend the time saying, is this a valid thing? Like it makes you concentrate on them a little bit more and it makes you un, you know, take off that next layer of the onion to start you know, realizing whether this is, you know, really what you want to do or not. So yeah, it's a success, even if I didn't choose to go down that one. Yeah. And I mean, a list is static, of course, right? And we're ever evolving. So there's that part of it too. You know, your two-year list, 18 months, I I mean, this pandemic taught a lot of us, or at least reminded a lot of us that, you know, whatever static goals we have aren't necessarily going to line up with what's happening in the external world. I did a bucket list for my, uh, where we were sitting around breakfast a couple weeks ago with my family and we were, I was like, let's all make like a little list of things we want to do. Now I'm going to call them before lists. We're going to have to do before nice. lists. <laughs> thanks to your book. The first thing my daughter said was like, go to Australia. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, you know? But then the next thing was like, I can't remember what it was. It was like dribble a basketball or something. I'm just like, hey, those things are important to put on too. So I have on mine, uh, like I've been wanting to make a key lime pie forever. I just love key lime pie. I have never made one. I want to make a key lime pie. I mean, so it's good to get things that are doable as well. We'll be back right after this. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago. And immediately, I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks So they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now back to the show. Put some low-hanging fruit on there. Put some, you have to celebrate the victories. And if, you're, if your goals are so lofty to where you don't have victories along the way, you're going to get burnt out. So you know, I, I think I had um, on my first list to foster a, a, a puppy or, or a kitten. That's not a, a, a monumentally hard thing. I've volunteered with you know animal rescues and things like that for years and years and years, but I had never fostered one. So yeah, that was fairly simple, but it was something that 
it was important to me and I wanted to do it and I finally did it. Um, so yeah, those little things that you can check off and, you know, I say, start your day like that. Like I, I put the dumbest things on my daily to-do list, like eat breakfast so that I can actually eat breakfast before noon and get it crossed off. Like, yeah, we need those small, we need those small victories too. <laughs> <laughs> you launched your book on Kickstarter, right? I just wanted you to share some advice for other people listening that might want to create something in whatever space they're in, or maybe they're, you know, getting out in terms of uh, their location independent entrepreneurial journey or their digital nomad journey. They want to work for themselves or listening, and maybe they want to create something for others like you have, whether it's a book or something along those lines. Kickstarter is not something we've talked about a lot on the show, but it's an interesting way to fund a project without having to put a lot at stake, uh, which is always that checks some boxes for me as an entrepreneur, right? So I'm just curious about how that experience was. And if you have any tips to share I hope that's not sounding too off topic, but. Oh, no. Um, No, I think, you know, the first thing to to keep in mind, and and I think you've said something like this in the past, don't start something for the money, just in general in life. Like if you want something that is fulfilling and you know, just warms you up instead of cools you off. Like don't start something just for the money. And, and, you know, whenever I started going down this nomadic journey with the nomad experiment and creating a website or creating a YouTube channel, there was this idea that at some point I would be able to sustain myself on this, but I never threw the, what do they say, threw the baby out with the bathwater or something like that. Like I never, I never severed the ties between me being able to make money the way that I always have as a graphic designer, um, a contract graphic designer or freelancer and said, I'm just going to try this new thing and and I got to make it work and I got to make money. So, you know, I've always been a graphic designer. Um, I've owned my own uh, company for, and, and that's a, that's a fancy way of saying that I'm a freelancer and nobody pays me unless I find my own work that continues to this day. So when I chose to do this book, um, I did do the Kickstarter so that I could raise the funds to print the the initial copies of the book. But I always had to keep things going in the background because, you know, they say that a a, a good author might sell a thousand books of a title in their lifetime. Like that's not a lot of books and that's a lot, not a lot of money. So, you know, going into this, I realized, why are you doing this? I want to put something out there that helps people. bottom line, period. If this fails miserably, at least I've put that out there in the universe. There's something tangible for somebody to, to latch onto and hopefully use. But if it if it fails miserably, it, I'm not hinging my lifestyle on it. I'm not hinging my you know my, my financial well being on it. Um, all that said, uh, and that actually took a lot of the pressure off me to say, okay, dude, just just create something that is that is from your heart, that is helpful, and you know checks all the boxes that you want to check. And then let the universe do what the universe does. Um, Kickstarter is a is a fickle beast. Um, I you know we have friends that have just slayed it on Kickstarter. It's another one of those things where you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes until you actually are behind the scenes. Um, you know we have we have friends who've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars on Kickstarters and they're running pretty expensive ad campaigns or they're they're employing people to help them run these campaigns. So when you see these big lofty numbers of these Kickstarters that have raised so much money, there's really a lot going into that and there's a lot of effort. Um, so Kickstarter for authors is is a new thing. There's, you know, it's it's probably the lowest um, form of Kickstarter there is. You know, Kickstarter's really started with gamers and things like that. Um, 
card games and board games and things like that. So it's been a good experience. I obviously, you know, we raised the money for the Kickstarter. Everybody that that ordered the book via Kickstarter has their books. They all seem very happy. That's good. It's something you really have to do your homework on and really understand what you're getting into before you do it, um, because it is a lot of uh, it's a lot of work to get get found when you don't have a massive audience already, which I don't. <laughs> yeah, let everybody know where they can find the book. Find your stuff. Um, so, so the book is available on Amazon, uh, on Kindle and Amazon paperback. Uh, you can also, if that's your easiest avenue, go ahead and go there, or you can go to uh, shop.thenomadexperiment.com or you know, go to my website, thenomadexperiment.com. You can find all that stuff there. Always a pleasure. I can't wait to hang in person, man. I know. At the time wait. of this recording now, we're just a few, what, a, under a month, under a yeah. month away. Yep. It's going to be awesome. Really? It's really that, oh man, time flies. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It really does. Last thing, I thought, you know, you got a lot of quotes in this book, a lot of great ones, and I'm curious right now, what is your favorite one, if you have a favorite, or something that's resonating with you today, let's say. Probably one of my favorite ones is one of the simplest ones. It's, uh, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and it's Stop Buying Dumb Shit. I heard him say it a year or two ago, and he said it many times since. Um, that's what he does is repeat stuff, which is you know, why I love him. But it's just true. Like We have to have our own dumb stuff meter, and it's always changing. But if you want a more travel-centric life, that truly does mean making some different choices on the things we would have typically bought in our default, you know, keeping up with the Joneses life. So, you know, I, even though I do believe in um, pampering yourself and treating yourself and all that different stuff, like I, my, my lens now, the way I filter when I spend money here in the United States is how much, how far could this go if I were traveling? And you and I know, you know, now that you've lived in Norway, which of course Norway is not cheap, but we know that whenever I go out to, whenever we go out to a, a, a brewery and we have three craft beers here in the States, that's a minimum 20 bucks, 25 bucks. And I can go live for a day in Mexico on that, like pretty darn comfortably. Um, so, you know, I choose to spend my money here in the States pretty limitedly. I choose more, you know, quality time over possessions and, you know, momentary, you know, food or, or beer pleasures, because I know what can happen if I choose to take that money and travel with it and experience the world, as opposed to just kind of dumping it on a, on a football game on a Sunday here in the States. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, yeah, three craft beers here. <laughs> I mean, that, that's like probably a week. <laughs> <some destinations. laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, man. Well, cool. Thanks so much, Jason. Always a pleasure to, to catch up on the pod. And I mean, we're, we're in touch off the pod, of course. It's nice to have you back on after a couple of years. So look forward to staying in touch and we'll be seeing you in some weeks. Congrats on the book. And uh, I should mention it one more time. You have the Beginner Traveler's Guide to Going Nomad. And Jason mentioned the website, thenomadexperiment.com. So you can find it there. Thanks, Jay. All right. Good to see you. You too. Peace. There you have it. My chat with the always lovely Jason Robinson. Congratulations on the book, Jason. Pick it up. Check it out. You heard where to find it. And I have one sitting on my shelf right over there. And I'm so proud to have contributed to it 
with that chapter. I, I can't believe I get to have friends like this. How cool. I get to have friends that are doing amazing things, getting out in the world, writing books, uh, just living that life, living that life. It's a, it's a privilege to know Jason and these other people that are in my life. I feel so fortunate. And you, my friend, because you're here listening to this show. You're a part of this whole, whatever it is we got going on here and have had going on here with Zero to Travel over the last almost eight years now, which is insane. I mean, this is so critical to doing the things you want to do in life. I can't emphasize it enough. You've probably heard it over and over again on the show from different podcasts from me. You got to get around the right people, right? That are really going to encourage you, inspire you, and really care about helping you to achieve your goals. It's it's key. And whether you're getting that in person or through a podcast like this, you know, as far as like feeding your brain certain types of food in terms of the content you take into your life. It's really important to kind of be aware of the things you bring into your life, right? Especially if you're trying to live a more unconventional life, like a lot of people here listening to the show, maybe living nomadic, maybe wanting to have a base and travel around, maybe just making travel more of a lifestyle and more of a priority in life. It's not something that everybody does. So to get around other people that are doing it, to listen in on conversations like, Today's that continue to inspire me and inform me and educate me and give me new perspectives. And I hope it's doing the same for you as well. I am just so grateful you're here. Now, let me touch on a few things before I let you go. First, I got to give a shout out to somebody in this listening community who is setting a big intention for travel. I want to give it up for Mima. Hey there, I know I sent her a video back with my thoughts, but I want to give her a shout out on the podcast too. She wrote me an email, she said, hi Jason, my name is Mima, I live in New York City, big fan of the podcast, I discovered it three months ago, I've been listening every day on my drive to work and back home, and also during my evening walks, thank you. She goes on to say, I'm a lifetime member of the Zero to Travel Premium Passport, and I want to say that your five-part bonus episodes on how to quit your job and travel the world are priceless, very perceptive and helpful. Listening to this series pushed me to finally decide on my dream adventure start date, summer 2022, and to start working on the plan and steps to realize my dream of traveling the world. Wow! I want to say congratulations. If you don't know what she's talking about, we do have a private podcast feed with bonus content, including that series, over at zerototravel.com slash premium. If you are a Premium Passport member already, thank you for being one. If you're not and you want to get access to this series, other exclusive content, the archives, and more, just check it out with that link, zerototravel.com slash premium. But I'm so glad for Mima that she took the time to just dive in, to think about these things, and then to set an intention and put a date on it. Summer of 2022 is her adventure start date. I love that. Adventure start date. That's such a cool way to phrase it. And now she's working on a plan to realize those steps. And that's really what it takes, right? Set an intention, make a commitment, set a date, and then start taking the steps. So I just want to give her a shout out and say congratulations. That's always a great reminder for me when I read other people's stories, get other people's stories who are uh, setting an intention and working towards it. It always reminds me, oh yeah, that is sort of when you break it down, that is the simple process. I just need to do that. So what's the next thing I might want to do? Okay, let's set a date. Let's start taking the steps to work towards it. Let's figure out what those steps are. Very empowering. So Mima, congratulations. Thank you once again for listening. There's your shout out and you deserve it. Now, 
I got a family member visiting in uh, later the next month after I get back from London. And she's talking about extending her trip and possibly going to Scotland. And she was expressing some doubts like, oh, I don't know, maybe the weather is, you know, not the best time of year to go, or maybe I should just go another time. And I disagreed wholeheartedly. And this is why. And this is, uh, if you want to call it a travel hack, you can. But I think if you are visiting a city, a winter city trip is a great experience as far as I'm concerned. A, less people. B, cheaper to get there. C, most of the stuff you're doing in a city is just sort of inside stuff anyway, right? A lot of times you can spend days out in the parks and, and everything like that, but you are generally going to museums, to cafes, maybe out to eat, checking out different cultural spots, and a lot of it's indoors. And it doesn't really matter that it's winter out. I mean, yes, maybe it's more enjoyable to hit the streets on a nice summer uh, nice summer day, but, you know, you get to see the city in a different light, literally. You get to see it at a different time of year. You get to be there when most tourists aren't there, and you probably get there cheaper. So I think there are many benefits to visiting a city in the winter, so I just wanted to share that with you. And I wanted to touch on this from the interview before I let you go. What Jason said at the end about going out and having three craft beers and spending $25 and that that could allow him to live very comfortably for a day in a destination like Mexico. This is a very good savings tactic. If you are somebody who has a hard time squirreling away money for travel, let's say, or you just, you know, you don't want to give up certain things in your daily life. You don't want to sacrifice too much for the future travel plans, but at the same time, you need to save, right? You need to save money. Well, this is a good way to kind of reframe things when you start thinking about, okay, well, yes, if I go out to eat at this restaurant with my friends, it's going to be a great experience, and I'm also going to spend $50, and that could be two days of my travel budget on the road. If you start thinking about it in terms of days on the road, and then you just make a more informed decision. It doesn't mean that you don't go out to dinner with your friends, right? Maybe it's just like, I don't care. I want to go see them. I want to spend time with them. It's important to me. I don't mind spending the money. But maybe there's times when you know you need to work towards the travel goal, the savings goal. And thinking about it like that, it might just give you the extra motivation to kind of say no to some of the things that we need to say no to in order to save more money. Now, I come from an abundance mindset. I like to think more about how I could make more money and bring more money into my life than thinking about cutting out things like dinner with friends and stuff like that. But at the same time, you want to be smart with your decisions as well. And you want some of your decisions to contribute to, towards your future. This is always a balance, right? Us travelers, we're, we tend to be spontaneous folks. Generally value experiences over possessions. Generally don't have a hard time spending money on experiences, which makes it hard to say no to experiences when we're trying to save money for travel. And maybe that's another rule. Maybe we don't say no to experiences. Maybe we say no to other things. So just, again, I'm not saying, you know, you're, you live your life the way you live it, of course. I do the same. That's what we should all do. 
I just like to throw some ideas out there and maybe something stick or hit a certain way and you do certain things or you don't, depending on when it hits your ears. It doesn't matter. I just like to throw it out there because it could be useful or not. Either way, take it for what it's worth. Just wanted to share some thoughts around that. And I also want to leave you with a quote. I'm going to reach into the old quote drawer here. The old trusty quote drawer filled with wisdom. Here's one, okay? This is from Ajahn Brahm. Love, oneness is no separation between you and life. It is a progressive letting go, a progressive not fault finding. There you have it. Another show. It's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. Smile. Take a chance today. And have a good time. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.